0: This is Ditch Diggers, season 7, episode, let's say 10.
1: And ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice For so your writing career, to be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left, we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me my And her co-host, Matt Evan Wallace On the right, Yes, she may be half as hype as she can take him in a fight So settle in, folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in A way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing. Ditch Diggers!
0: Ditch Diggers! I'm very excited that that Ursula put this out on her Twitter feed, which means I have a whole bunch of new followers before we even got started. So thank you for following us. Someone to be, Float Overblow, Pen and Parable, Declaring... Um, and Devo Spice is here Hey Devo And uh, someone to be already has a lot of Questions for Ursula Distracted librarian
1: uh, Also you should Stick around and watch Miller's podcast And Twitch stream <laughs> because Miller's a brilliant writer An editor who wins lots of awards And writes lots of books And edits more things than God
0: No I don't edit more things than God A lot of other people edit, edit. God, God did like At least two anthologies last year and i only did one and that was co-edit okay, so uh Frymaster 127 welcome thank you for the host and uh lots of people are excited they caught the stream on time uh, thank you for following ash kazdra all right hey truck poetry hey sario um yeah join us in a bit truck poetry will be here hey shale Apparently, Twitch has it going on today because everyone's excited that they got their notification. Anyway, um, this is Ditch Diggers, and uh, I am your host, Mer Lafferty, usually brought to you with Matt Wallace. Uh, Matt is taking a break this summer, and so I'm having a whole bunch of other people show up and be not Matt in his stead so today i have t kingfisher aka ursula vernon aka the woman who did the speech about the dead whales at the hugo ceremony (laughs) aka uh potato vigilante um you got a lot of there's a lot going on with ursula and um I'm always delighted to have her on a show because she she can make anything sound interesting. She was trying to tell me that she doesn't really have an exciting
1: uh, life. She just tells it well. So I, I maintain that is true. Occasionally weird things happen to me, I will on it. 90% of the time, it's just normal life told well. I, no.
0: No. I'm going to no? make you tell the teddy bear hamster story at some point. I don't really love my dad. I know, but weirdness. Uh, s- s- what's the word? God damn it! Sorry. Vortex. No, vortex is good. Weirdness vortex. I was thinking, um, it circles. You, they circle you like a sat- satellite. So, what's oh, it Navigates orbits. you. Orbit. Weirdness orbits. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing real good today. I finished a book. Damn it! And I turned it in. And my brain's been kind of tapioca ever since.
1: And I have a thing uh, actually where whenever one of us finishes a book, instead of saying congratulations, we say, Oh God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because we know your brain turns to goop after you hand in a big project because you have been the person working on this project for so long. Who are you now? What yeah. are you doing with your life? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, thank you for following, uh, HZ, uh, H.C. says the Ursula person looks suspiciously a lot like T. Kingfisher. I know, it's kind of yeah. suspicious.
1: The uh, only actually, way to them apart is uh, T. Kingfisher wears a hat and Ursula wears a chunky necklace. Wow, that's interesting.
0: Thank you for the uh, host, Cypher. Good to see you. So, uh, if you're new here, Ditch Diggers is my show about the business of writing. If you want to talk about the craft, check out my other podcast, I Should Be Writing. But uh, Ditch Diggers says... Essentially, uh, when you have a deadline and you're a working writer and you're making your living writing, you can't afford writer's block. Just like ditch diggers can't go to work and say, "I ah, don't feel like digging ditches today. They still got to do it. And when you're a writer and you're a working writer, you still got to write the words. So that's why we talk about the business. And um, let's see. Uh, Cypher of Tears says, hello, Ursula.
1: Hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, I can't see the chat, so just assume that I am thrilled you're all here, because <laughs> I, I could see the chat.
0: Yes. Por- yes, Pormer has to put words into books and then try to say words on the podcast as if I'm- the well isn't dry. So that's me. Anyway, um, I have not had any proof of life from Matt in a couple of days, but he was talking about his wife on Twitter yesterday, and I've met his wife, so I know she exists. So he does. Fabulous. because of Nikki, I'm going to assume Matt is still alive and well. Oh, and he got a really good Publishers Weekly review for his next book in the Savage Legion series. So All right, go uh, yes, very happy for Matt. Hey, Cat Rambo. Good to see you. Hey, Cat. Um, let's see. So what we're going to talk about today is... Um, you know, I, I always joke that I'd hate you, but you're too good of a friend because you are so fucking talented. It's disgusting. I uh, th- thank you. I, yes. I you know, for me, that's that's positive.
1: It's love. Yeah. There are other people out there who I'm like, I could really hate you, but you're so awesome. Honestly, I sometimes frequently resent it when it turns out they're really nice on top of everything else. I'm like, just like I'd be one damn person, I can really get my teeth into disliking for being so talented. But no, they always turn out to be great. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ursula is the kind of person that will turn on a dime and say, sure, I'll go to New Orleans with you on a road trip for absolutely no, with no uh, warning at all. That was the uh, time it
1: took me like two days, I think maybe even a week and I, I think I think I had a couple of days of work. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you no know, uh, well it doesn't call me up because who calls anymore uh, and texted <laughs> me up, I guess, and was like, I need to go to New Orleans to research this book. if I go alone, I will sit in the hotel room at by nine every night and nothing weird will happen to me. If you come along, I will feel safer and also weird things will happen to me, which I guess goes back to that whole weirdness vortex thing now that I think about it. And so I said, yes, of course, I will go to New Orleans with you and be a tourist. And uh, she had booked uh, all kinds of great tourist activities and we went on them. And uh, (laughs) uh, including the greatest... The vampire tour of the French Quarter that, uh, sh- oh my god, it was so bad. We, we still talk about it to this day. It, uh, it, the guy showed up in a poofy shirt, like a pirate, with like five silver crucifixes around his neck. And I can't remember if he was wearing a top hat or not. Uh, I don't think so,
0: but he did have long, dark hair. Yes, he's very uh, frothy in that aspect.
1: Then it was a white, poofy shirt, though. Yeah, and then uh, immediately informed us that vampires had been popularized by Bram Stroker. Bram
0: Stroker, yeah. everybody, Stroker.
1: Yeah. And uh, it did not go uphill from there. We were we were
0: already drunk, and we're not drunk enough for that that tour.
1: And <laughs> the we we got drunker as the the evening progressed because it's the French Quarter and you walk everywhere, but uh, we've been drinking alcohol because it's the French Quarter. But in order to use a restroom at a bar, you have to buy a drink. And yes, I <laughs> could have bought something non-alcoholic later. That occurred to me, but at the time it did not. So I was just drinking. I think mimosas. Because that seemed like the, the tamest thing on the menu that was most hydrating. And so I could use the bathroom. But then I did drink another mimosa, so I got to use the next bathroom. But then I got to buy a mimosa at that bar so I could use the bathroom again. And with the end result, by the time we got to the end of the tour... I had hit the very rare for me belligerent stage of slush. yes, you
0: did. It was very exciting. She she uh, was very firmly disapproving of some frat boys who were drunker than we were.
1: Yes, they they knocked over a trash can, and I believe I yelled, "Hey, pick that up!" And one uh, of and they jumped like uh, you know uh, their third grade teacher yelled at them, and one ran back and picked it up, and I was like, "Damn right." <laughs> Uh, I would never do that sober. I I shun conflict. And then... Online. Yeah, well, online, I'm I'm a terrible person. But uh, then our tour guide uh, started telling us how they, when they raided this house, they found that the wine cellar was actually just bottles of blood. And I was like, you mean bottles of scab? Because... (sighs) And he was like, no, if you put a little red wine in it, it stays liquid. And I'm like, wait, let do not work that way. And then I thought, well, everyone else is on the tour to have fun. Do not commandeer this tour to give a lecture on why you do not do that with bottles of blood. All right, be good. (laughs) do
0: Yes. It was it was a beautiful thing. Okay, I need to catch up with chat a little bit. Oh, yeah. uh, I did not uh, welcome Fleetfoot Fox. Welcome, glad to have you here. Thanks for following. Um, let's see, the Rhoda asked, "Did you guys bird? And we did not, but there was a burning incident. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, we do need to talk about writing at some point. Yes, we we'll do. It. Uh, let's see, distracted <laughs> librarian needs an Ursula because they're a boring traveler. Um, Cypher says she would leave if, uh, if the, the, the tour started out with the stroker. But the thing was, is that I was writing a fake travel book about New Orleans. So the worse the tour was, the more fodder I had for the book.
1: Yes, in fact, as I recall, the dog made it in uh, the completely. The dog made it in. Yes, uh, the dude was going, was trying to explain about how this one building was inhabited by members of the goth religion. And That's right, I forgot about the goth religion. Yeah, I'm texting my extremely goth husband, going, I thought you were Lutheran. <laughs> and uh, then uh, he's, he's going on about this, and then everyone stops listening because there's a three legged dog uh, sort of hopping down the street behind him. And the thing is, it was missing one of its back legs, but it was an uncut male dog. So every jump, you know, there is a lot of bounce going on. I hope to God this is a mature rated food says, so, yes, you couldn't quite shake the feeling that a vet had gone in to neuter him and missed. Oh God! And so and we're all just watching the, the dog. Who has a leash? Leash, yeah. Don't forget the leash. The, the leash. And we're like, there's a dog, and he stops and he he stops sounding like Bram Stoker, true guy. And so it was like, oh yeah, he lives around here. <laughs> And and we're like, you could tell he was
0: pissed at us for not paying attention to his very intense story and not uh, just distracted by the dog with the leash without the leg. And it was, there was so much going on. There was a lot going on. Yes. And I
1: believe that dog made it into your book.
0: The dog did make it into the book. He turned into a demon at the end of that scene. But, uh, yeah.
1: So the point is that inspiration can come from anywhere, and it is okay to just occasionally take large chunks of your entire life and put it directly into the book. So we brought it back to
0: writing. We did bring it back to writing. Um, uh, the the story, uh, I'm going to try to to sum up the story of the Swamp Tour. Um Ursula was keeping her cool and we were just taking a little boat swamp tour around and I'm soaking it in and then at one point the guy's like oh yeah and you know you can see this bird and that bird and you can see the ivory-billed woodpecker and Ursula just like like you could tell everything in her mind went alright I got my axe, I got my sword I got my shield I'm fucking ready and I'm coming for you you kind of feel, that, never, feel never. that energy right next to me I'm just like oh god what did he say what happened
1: and there was a good friend because she looked at me uh, you on know, uh, the edge of a berserker rage and said, if you need to get, kill him and take this swamp out straight to hell, I have your back. <laughs> uh, the ivory-billed woodpecker is extinct uh, probably, almost certainly. And it has been sighted occasionally in Tennessee, which is not Louisiana. And there were no ivory-billed woodpeckers in the New Orleans swamp tour. It was a pileated woodpecker, and I, I was very angry.
0: Yeah, that was a big rant when we got back to the car. She said she was about ready to turn around and go back to the guy and say, "I'll give you five thousand dollars right now to take me to the bird," because Cornell would give you would give you ten thousand dollars
1: if I had pictures of the fruit. bird. Yeah, so if if we got the bird, I would make a five thousand dollar profit on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I knew I wasn't going to get the bird, and also Mo wanted to do some other stuff. You know, in New Orleans. I was walking in a swamp uh, all day. so Yeah.
0: Um, let's see. Cypher says, Did you mean not to have a category? I thought I set it up with my stream deck. I guess I didn't. So I did not mean to not have a category, unfortunately. But uh, thank you for letting me know. So we got the old goth religion, the furry faith. Uh, thank you for following Hyena Has. Glad you're here. And was the trip tax deductible because it was research? Yes yes we deducted it i don't know if i deducted all the alcohol but i deducted you know the the gas and the the hotel and the tours because it all went
1: into this book uh i think i kept receipts honestly and deducted a lot of the food and uh beverage as uh uh dining expense so maybe i did the thing where uh, handy author artist whatever trip uh if you go to a city and stay there the irs almost always has an allowance for how much they expect you to spend on food and beverage in that city so you can you don't need all the receipts just go down the list and be like new orleans Uh, i stayed during tourist season Uh, irs says i can deduct 250 dollars a day where do you find this information uh
0: it's all online on the website Okay, I'm going to look for this because yeah. I've never, it's, ever yeah. heard this before. It's very exciting.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, travel expenses. Um, sometimes they're really lodging into that, too, but, uh, yeah, it's useful. Uh, they have them for lots and lots of cities all over the world.
0: Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, Ursula and I have been friends for a long time, and this is honestly how a lot of our supposedly structured talks go. Um. But we're going to talk about writing. Dinner. We are going to talk about the business of writing. The thing, another uh, one of those things. The reason why I hate Ursula is because she's a phenomenal artist and a phenomenal writer who kind of felt like a hole that was a writing career opened up in front of her and she fell into it. You that can't. You, you can't pattern your career off of Ursula because Please don't try. No, um, but. Uh, one thing that gets me is that you have uh, you have multiple book deals with different publishers, but you also still vigorously self publish stuff. Um, so I want to go into a little bit about that regarding how you get it, how, how you do this legally within your contracts, um, why you do it, and uh, how in the hell do you keep that stuff straight in your head? Please give me like give me like a bullet list because I cannot do that. You've always got okay. something going on.
1: It's true. I, uh, I I to take the questions out of it, The reason I do it is um, one I like money, and uh, while I have you know contracts with various book publishers, I that money. Uh, I, I hope most people in writing uh, most know this. Maybe, maybe they don't. You get a big chunk basically when all the contracts are signed. You get another chunk when you hand in the book, and you may or may not get a small chunk when they publish it. But you have to have handed in a book. And so, like, if my advance is, uh, let's say, twenty thousand dollars, which is not a huge advance, but also not a particularly small one. It's uh, it's very uh standard I suppose if you get twenty thousand on a book, people are like, oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh for people that certainly mid list authors, you know, it's okay, yeah, that's that's normal. It's not like, you know, you hear you hear about the big million dollar advances, but most of us are getting fifteen, twenty, uh I think fifteen is about the starter if you have an agent and mm-hmm. uh up to thirty to thirty is, you know, you're you're pretty hot right now usually the really big stuff is, uh, and this is SF genre and children's books. Um, you get into romance and suddenly some of the, uh, advances go way up. Uh, a friend of mine doesn't even get out of bed for less than a hundred thousand dollars, but her initial print runs are also 300,000 books. So Jeez. romance is the, the big seller. So take this only for sci-fi fantasy slash horror. And to a certain extent, kid did. Uh, so if I get a twenty thousand dollar advance, maybe I get ten thousand bucks up front and then I have to live on that ten thousand bucks until the book is handed in. And that uh that gets a little tight as many people might know, if particularly if you have, you know, dependents uh my mother is uh, is older and I pay for her housing and whatnot. And so uh I need the Immediate cash flow of self-publishing, which is, I publish a book, and every month, draft to digital and Amazon drops a lot of cash into my bank account, which is lovely and makes it sustainable. Of course, that means I have to write the books. Yeah, uh, yeah that that is problem. contract-wise, uh, and I'm taking the, I'm leading up to that to the difficult one. Contract-wise, uh, I have to write it into the the contracts that I am allowed to self-published these books. My agent uh, is is totally behind my self-pub career because whenever a self-pub book does well, she negotiates all the contracts for audiobooks, for foreign rights, stuff like that. We just did uh, uh, audiobooks for, I think, um, Paladin Strength and Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking just Ooh, uh, got excellent. sold. Yeah, and uh, so they showed me money, and she does all the contracts that and gets her 15% cut. So as far as she's concerned, she's like self-publish everything you want. I am happy to be the person who handles the other contract, which is great. Uh, but when I have a big book contract with, for example, I have one with Tor right now, she had to go in, basically name the series that I was self-publishing because, and this is because uh, it is a fantasy series and what I'm selling to Tor is also fantasy. If I uh, usually the sort of non-compete clause, for lack of a better term, is fairly narrowly defined. So I could go publish a uh, a western or a kids book, self-publish, and Tor doesn't care. That doesn't compete with them as far as they're concerned. But uh, fantasy, they're, they're like okay, you know that could technically be competition for one of our stuff. They're super Tor, at least, has super super flexible for me. Uh, possibly because my editor is a big fan of the self help series, so which helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they—they they literally name it in the contract. They're like, "This is the Sacred Seal uh, series," and uh, so any novel-length fantasy, uh, basically, Tor has a right of first refusal on, unless it is part of that series, uh, or it is for children. I can still do children's books. I can do novellas. I. You know, but novel length fantasy it goes through Tor, uh um, unless it is specifically like knocked out in the contract and uh with so horror uh, if i uh, if I signed with a horror author um I had a contract with uh, uh, saga for a while if I wanted to do another horror book, uh, they would have right of first refusal on it and uh, which is basically we get to uh look at it and say we don't want it or we will offer you money. I don't have to take the money they offer me. And in fact, uh I did not take the money they offered me for the third horror novel. I was like, No, this is this is not working for me uh with what you want Partly because my editor had left and, you know, it's when your books get orphaned it's all weird. Yes. Uh, yes. yes, Moore knows this grimly well. Yes. Uh well finally, uh, actually let me say on, on having your book being orphaned that's when you have a book at a publisher and then your editor leaves uh, before the book has been published, that is, yeah, your book is now an orphan, it does not have a person advocating for it and that may mean your book is dead in the water essentially because no one is going to marketing to be like I love this book, this is, you have to sell this book uh, it happens to everybody people move on, it happened to my very first children's book, Narc but as it turned out, and this is another one of those you will never duplicate my career because it is entirely founded on ridiculous luck and bad coincidences. Uh, the editor I got for-, for Merck who picked it up, and Merck didn't die without a trace uh, for the most part, but the editor who picked it up was like, do you have anything else? And... We sent her a thing that the first editor had passed on and she was like, This is great, but also uh, I just quit and moved to another company, so I'll talk to you again in like two weeks. And so my book was now twice orphaned and, and that was the end of, of any chance of it doing anything. Although it did get a lovely audio book. But uh, it's I think it's even out of print now. But the second editor who had orphaned me went to Penguin, turned around, said I love that thing that you tried to sell my previous editor and she didn't like. And that was the Dragon Breath series, which went on to sell a million copies. So the moral of the story is that uh, uh, sometimes being orphaned works out in your favor if the editor left uh, on good terms with you. And I've had other editors be like, you know, I've been orphaned a couple times. been been like, anything you have that is not going anywhere, send to me. I'm buying X, so, you know, it works out sometimes. It's not a complete death sentence.
0: Right, right. Uh, real quick, uh, go to, to chat. Wait, I, Wait I, I hear, I an, hear echo. an echo. This isn't good. good. You've he- you you got, got headphones you got in, headphones right? in right? Yes. right? Yes. Weird. Weird. Hang on. Um, I don't know what's going on. Okay. okay. You want me to keep talking? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just trying to find where that would be coming in. Okay. Okay. Anyway,
1: Uh, I'll try. Yeah. So, uh, finally, the, the big one. How do I write these various projects all simultaneously? And, God, I wish I had a really good answer for you that was like, uh... I write on this book and then I take a, and then I do a 20 minute meditation and decompress and write this other book but I just uh, I switch between things really 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 easily possibly the ADHD helps May uh, also has adHD but, uh, it's I think our tend to manifest rather differently yeah yeah uh, I there was a point where I was literally writing a book, a horror novel for Saga for adults, and The Last of the Hamster Princess books for Penguin, I had both word docs up, and I would write like a paragraph on one, wasn't sure what happened uh, next, so I would switch to the other one write until I didn't know what happened next, switch back to Hollow Places write until I didn't know what happened next, uh, between the two for, you know, a couple of days. And it worked great for me because... I would wait until, basically, until I didn't know what happened next. I'd be like, okay, okay, and then I'd rather do the thing where I sit here and go, I, what do they say, what happens next. I'd go to Hamster Princess, and then I'd been away from it for ten minutes or whatever, so it was obvious suddenly what would happen next. And, no, I never got them confused, and I never typed, you know, uh, something horrific into Hamster Prince. Well, I did type horrific things into Hamster Princess, but my editor made me take them out later. Uh, but they were all, you know... Apparently you're not supposed to tell children that burning down a castle is a solution to their problems. Uh, they frown on that. Yeah, been a they're just afraid to think of the box. Box, box. Clearly. And also, you know, okay, fine. We don't want small children burning things down, I suppose, but... Yeah, that was vetoed. Silly. Anyway, uh... So, yeah, I just switched between the two. I don't really think about it. Um, part of it is I don't really need to hyper-focus on a manuscript in order to work on it. I just... Uh, I'm, I'm not a, a plotter. I'm a, uh, We aren't using Pantser anymore. What are we using? Discovery Writer? We're not using Pantser? Why not? I, I'm fine with Pantser. I just know some people, you know... Uh, weren't you using Discovery Writer for a while? Maybe... I can't remember anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I don't ever really know what I'm doing in any given book, so I'm not having to, like, hold in my head that this needs to aim for a specific thing. Like, I'm not, like, following certain story beats uh, that I already know what they are. I'm usually just kind of plowing ahead and seeing what happens next. My books tend to be longer and slightly more rambling as a result of this, but... I mean, as long as people keep buying them, I'm not going to complain. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I have, uh, at any given time, I have about uh, three to five open projects. And any given day, I'm just like, do I know, do I have some idea for a thing that happens on this one? And so I'll pull it up. And if I get really inspired on one, even if I have—I don't have a deadline for it—and in fact, of course, the easiest way to get inspired on something is to have a deadline on something else. Uh, I will write like mad on the thing that I am inspired by because, uh, you know, inspiration is not the, the is not essential, but it's fun when it happens. So if I'm like, I am suddenly super excited about this story. I have a great idea. I know what happens. I will, you know, slam out <clears throat> five or 10,000 words on it in a couple of days and be like, oh, yeah. And then I might shove it in the virtual trunk for a year. But uh, uh, And sometimes I'll just, you know, go through uh, three different projects. I have to write 1,000 words a day. That's my, my word count goal usually. Uh, I'll pull up one project, write 500 words, pull up another one, write 200, pull up a third one, write, you know, Uh, Maybe a 1,000 if I'm having a good day on it. And that's just kind of how I work. Um, Part of it, uh, ADHD leads to frequently insomnia and disordered sleep, interestingly enough. And so I will lay awake at night, and I discovered that instead of worrying about uh, what I would do if I rolled over and my husband was dead, which is always a favorite thing to worry about, or what if the what if my pets die, or what? Have you ever worried about that, murder? That specific thing? thing, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think I'm traumatized because there was a uh, uh, something positive comic where one of the characters, you know, does this big like. Uh, uh, reveal of of his medical condition to his wife in bed, and then looks over and she's died in her sleep. And I've been traumatized by that ever since. Anyway, uh, damn you, Randall Mahone. Yeah, I, remember,
0: yeah, that I one. remember that one. Yeah. All right, I don't know how to get rid of my uh, echo thing, so. I do want to go back into chat. Um, Cypher asks, are there ways to support Ursula in addition to buying books? Uh, Your Patreon was linked to. Thank you, Kat Rambo. And uh, is there anything else that you would like to mention as a way to support you?
1: Uh, Honestly, um, I'm doing great at the moment. So uh, I will tell people if that changes, but... uh, I'd be just as happy if you go give the money to somebody trying to save frogs or something.'m I'm, I'm doing okay. I, I don't need any any more uh, money but uh, support wise uh, uh, Patreon is probably the easiest Tell people. you know you can listen to my various podcasts that uh, my husband does. It's mostly productivity alchemy now is the one that he does and I am frequent uh, uh, I show up at the beginning and end and uh, it sounds like, a very dry productivity show. It is not at all. It is mostly yeah. about um, uh, and its interviews with people who are you know how they stay organized. Frequently, they are uh, neurodivergent or have various uh, issues, or you know are and so all of their strategies. And we are of the opinion that if a productivity method does not work for you, it has failed you. You have not failed the method. If you cannot bullet journal. It is not a flaw on your part. Bullet journaling just has failed you. So, thank you for uh, mentioning the bullet journal thing specifically
0: because I feel constantly defeated by it. Um, Rainjoy asked if an editor moves publishers, can you follow them? Usually, no. Again, Ursula's career path is a different career path than any of the rest of us have experienced. Um, if you, if your agent moves houses, you can follow them but yes. uh if your editor moves you have the contract with the publisher not that editor
1: right now if you have now so the book you have sold the publisher that your editor was working on at the first house that is that publishers that they own that yeah you you, you you're done you know you, you hand them that book but what will happen is that once your contract is done an editor who you've worked with before will be uh, will sometimes be like send me something you know or you know i love you and want to work with you again so but for whatever book you were working on for the publisher the publisher owns it not the editor
0: but oftentimes um the as ursula mentioned earlier the publisher will have a right of first refusal on your next thing so even if your contract's done you need to uh and your other editors going hey hey come over here, come over here. You still need to give the first publisher the book and see what they say about it. So yeah. it's a little harder to just drop publishing houses and run away um, and get married to your editor. I don't like where that metaphor went. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Uh, the Rhoda says, now I kind of want the outtakes of Hamster Princess as a parent who had to read them all out loud. Uh, Cat Rambo uses Panser, but Discovery is nice too. Hey, Kimmy, hey, I feel like Discovery
1: Writer is former and Pantser is casual. Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Honestly, what I do, my my method is, uh, which I guess is pantsing, is that I have a vague notion that something happens over there. And I usually know what it is. It's like a scene or uh, usually just a scene. And frequently, I will go later. I, I, I do not write my entire manuscript consecutively, incidentally. I know some people are like, I have to start at the beginning and only write in order uh, why make life difficult for yourself if you know (laughs) what happens halfway through. Go write the halfway through bit and then figure out the connective tissue that gets you from point A to point B. That's what I do. So my manuscripts are just like a wall of, you know, it'll be, something will happen, there'll be a couple chapters, then I'll just write the word gap. And there'll be, you know, then I'll write a scene, then gap, and so on and so forth. And then I just go through and close the gaps. And only... Rarely do I forget to close a gap and send it to my editor with the word gap in it. Uh, <laughs> that
0: only really happened two or three times. I, I, I use I the uh, shortcut TK, which means I'm going to come back to this and fix it, um, or something needs to be looked up here. So basically, this ain't done, and it, they use TK because until recently, I thought it was not used in any English language word, but it is pocket knife because I was searching TK in my, in my manuscript and I came up pocket knife. I'm like, there's one of them. But um, yeah, that yeah, one, that uh, one I, I did leave mine in my last manuscript.
1: Do that. You did what? I can't actually do that because as T Kingfisher, I, it starts sparking on the headers.
0: I, I believe that. it would. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Keeping up with chat, a lot of praise for productivity, alchemy, um, thank you for following uh, Zerkix and River Witch uh, and Sesafet. So many followers, it's very exciting. Um, Cypher says, uh, People act like you if you can't bullet journal or other stuff, then you've failed. I know, it's awful. I just. And it's like i've heard ADD pe- adhd people say you know he has adhd so this is the thing to use if you got adhd and i'm like it didn't work for me either i'm a loser um,
1: no no it's it's look it's like clothes uh we there's this whole thing particularly with women's clothing where if you go on and you put on an outfit a uh, shirt and it looks terrible on you you go oh god i i look horrible my body is horrible no, the shirt looks horrible. It is the fault of the shirt designer, of the clothing designer, for making a shirt that looks like crap on you. Take it <laughs> off. But uh, we have internalized that it's totally our fault, and the clothing is perfect, and we are the problem. And it's the same thing with you know any productivity method that the method is perfect and it works for all these other people. Ergo, we are wrong. No, tailor all your stuff to fit yourself.
0: Um, uh, we, got we got a question from, from Sarius. Sari I'm getting the echo again, it's coming and going I don't understand why Question from Sario, how long do publishers hang on to dead books? Ursula has this just happened to Ursula and so you can answer this pretty much from your experience
1: Um, It varies but generally uh, and and it it depends on why the book is dead Uh, Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking I sold I want to say in 2012 not long after I finished it and they, they worked on it like it was a book they were going to publish, this is no shade on them, and then it just, uh, the editing didn't really work, like they, my editor freely admitted she did not know quite what to do with it, and they would push it one way and then they would push it the other way and it would just, it was not working for them as a book. They wanted, they knew how to market frequently is the problem. They would be like, I love this book. I don't know how to sell it is a thing you will frequently hear. Uh, okay. No, wait, let me face that. That's the thing I frequently hear. I don't know if anybody else hears that. Uh, but so they wound up sitting on it for, I want to say, uh, it's at least five years, years, years. right? Uh, No, I think it was only two or three and I sold them another book. What happened, they would have sat on it a lot longer, but when it became clear that they didn't know what they were doing and they they had sent it, she sent it to like other, you know, departments, to the YA people being like, someone tell me what to do with this. And it just, I think it was, it was a case of a lot of factors, you know, just not coming together. Like, I don't even think they were super excited about the book when they bought it so much as they were, Dragon Breath had just landed with a huge splash and they wanted to keep the book away from anybody else so that I was locked in as as one of their authors. And, uh, which is fine, you know, whatever the money spent. And uh, they, what they wound up doing was I wrote a different book and basically gave it to them. And we, we traded across, except that because my career was now even better because of Dragon Breath, they actually gave me back the book and paid me like an extra $10,000, which, you know, you can't beat that. And I think that book was Castle Hang So uh, then I got the book back. Then my editor, shop, my agent, rather, shopped it around to a bunch of other editors who all said, We love this, but we have no idea how to sell it. And it, uh, and fine, or, or they would be like, We like this, but this is not the first book we want to publish from Ursula. We would like to publish something like Dragon Breath first. Does she have anything like that lying around? Because, you know, I am apparently just made of hybrid graphic novels that I can pull out of a hat. Uh, And at the time I kind of was because I was doing two to three a year. But uh, so it depends. I have one that's been sitting at the publisher now uh, that has been there for... God, uh, probably four years and it's the same thing it just sat uh, they edited it, it was good but it wasn't quite working and then you know, the other one came back and like, ah, it's not quite working the problem is I haven't sold them another book because I started focusing on my horror career and stuff and they didn't have a contract for any more books, so it's just sitting there, my agent is trying to figure out how to get it back I might have to write them another book And that may perpetuate the cycle all over again, ironically. Uh, So it can, two years, four years, usually at two years, it's not dead. They're just like, uh, that's not necessarily dead. Uh, By three or four, they're probably not publishing it. Uh, But publishing schedules go way out. So if it doesn't have a, a, if it has a specific pub date that's just in the future, then yeah it's fine like i have a a novella tour that's been you know they've had for like probably two years now maybe for i don't know the pandemic i lost a year i no longer know what year it is yeah uh but it's you know they have a very specific publishing schedule it's on a spreadsheet i can look at it and say it will come out at x and everybody's happy uh and uh one of the books i gave them was the thing where this is great but we don't want it to be a first novel we publish from you because Uh, It had a younger protagonist, and one of the sad facts, particularly if you're female, is that if you publish a book with a young protagonist, you are immediately YA. Like, all the the critics and reviewers are like, oh, this is a YA book, and you'll be a YA author for the rest of your life, even if it's not a YA book, you never intended it as a YA book, and most of your books have 30-year-old protagonists, you are a YA author. And that is a really ridiculous fact about book marketing but they were like we love this but you have to be an adult author in the minds of the world first before we can publish it and you know it's very stupid but they are entirely correct as well
0: yeah Um, We got a lot of talk about ADHD in the chat. Uh, ADHD often entails hyperactivity. Writing is often sedentary. It's a problem. And then other people have pointed out that not everybody has the hyperactivity. Um, Under Pope asks, is adult-set ADHD a thing? And I think the fact that a lot of us don't have hyperactivity means it wasn't on set as an adult. It just wasn't diagnosed as children, especially for women, because... It doesn't manifest uh, the same in girls than boys.
1: Yeah, uh, boys, you know, the, the, there's the feeling that they're the little boy bouncing off the walls. Uh, with girls, they're the ones who tend to be sitting in the corner daydreaming. And if you get comorbid anxiety, as many of us do, uh, you can still frequently make deadlines and get places on time because you are using your anxiety as your coping mechanism for your ADHD. Ask me how I know. so yeah lots and lots of daydreaming and uh forgetfulness uh desperate parents saying things like if you would just apply yourself or i don't know how to get your attention or you're just making careless mistakes all of those phrases can basically you know send me into a a, uh, yeah
0: oh my god uh, careless mistakes that was my uh, middle name growing up. Careless yep. mistakes.
1: Yeah, my uh, my math teacher uh, said would just say careless mistakes, careless mistakes over and over again. I'm like, yeah, they're still beating into my brain. I failed math a couple times.
0: <laughs> I failed because I didn't get make it to the uh uh exam, the final exam. Um, I, that was probably due to ADHD as well So I had to take summer school That was fun um, As uh, the rota says As someone who can't read Ursula's books Horror, horror books Does she know when we'll be getting something not scary next?
1: Uh, well, in theory the, uh, the next Paladin Romance Galen's book Which will be a long novella Or a short novel uh, I say Navarra, uh, even though it'll probably be 50-some-thousand words, just so people don't aren't disappointed when it's not one of my big 100,000-some doorstops. Uh, I am actually hoping to get that out the door in, like, uh, August. So hopefully that will be soon. And uh, there may be another book between then and April when Nettle and Bone comes out from tour. I don't know. Uh, and again, just props to Tor for totally working with myself, Pub, and everything. They are, they've they been absolute champs about it.
0: Um, uh, the kids are asleep. Hey, I don't think I said hello to you. Good to see you. Um, how does that right of first refusal work exactly? Does the publisher only get that for the next book or every book ever after? It's oh, the well. next book. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, not every book you ever write. No, and that's... Um, if they say no to that next book, then you're free. You don't yep. have to uh, publish with them anymore, which happened to me. So that's one reason I, I changed publishers, because they, they turned down the next book. And so I went somewhere else, because I could.
1: Um, the, uh, the more awkward thing is when they accept the next book. <laughs> and uh, that did happen to me once. And I went from... And, and God... I was the editor wanted to, from the house I wanted to go to, and I'm not going to name any names, uh, really wanted to talk to me about working for them. But I was already with this other house with an editor who who I liked, but I wasn't quite as happy with with the publisher. And it actually came down to a world con where we like did a a you know, cloak and dagger meeting in a hotel coffee shop looking at each other and my editor my now editor was like i can't you know i don't think i can ask you what what do you like to write (laughs) And i was like i really like writing these books what do you like to read She's like, I love reading books like that. So we had a whole conversation that was definitely not about them publishing anything of mine, because that would have been wrong. It was about uh, the sorts of books that I might write in the future someday. And uh, so they came back and made me an offer on something, and on a, a novel and then the first publisher accepted the damn novel and i was like but i don't want to write the novel for you i wanted to write it for these other people <laughs> and then irony of ironies the other people were like okay we don't actually want that particular novel we, we want they're like you have so many great ideas give us any other idea so we can make you an offer, but that one particular novel that is half-done that you sent us is not actually working for us. And I'm like, and I, I think it was because it was aliens, not supernatural. and They wanted supernatural, not aliens. And I'm like, okay. And that, I wound up on the weirdest phone call where I was like, they were like, what do you, give us any idea you have whatsoever. And I was like, uh i've been working on a version of the fall of the house of usher with a gender queer narrator and a uh evil fungal intelligence and uh, at my length. links and the, they were just like right great we'll take it do you have any other ideas and i'm like i once wanted to write a southern gothic with a scene where the evil grandmother has everybody chained to the table with rose whips and they're like that sounds fabulous and i had the contract three days later and i was like okay you had that contract just waiting you were waiting for something you could jot down in order to hand to like you know contracts or whatever so that you could give me a contract like it it was it was very uh uh, it was very odd But It's great except that I've been trying to write The book with the grandmother and the rose whips And I hate roses Man, roses and I just do not get along For a little Yeah I'm not sure we have
0: time for a gardening Rant um, no, not. Because I uh, know your, your gardening Rants are epic and uh, You need to do a gardening podcast There we go
1: the problem is I don't know anything about gardening. Like, I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? Have you met can, you? Yeah, no, I I am a terrible gardener. I just talk about it a lot. I kill so many I things. Have and, and I have seen your garden. Yeah, well, you can. See I have it right been here. to your house. Uh, yeah. uh... I, I am constantly struck by how little I know, and people, I know, like, how to garden in this one little space right here. I don't know how to garden in your garden, I just know, like, if somebody wanted a podcast on how exactly to garden in Ursula Vernon's garden, uh, I could probably do a couple of episodes of that, but even then, there's a lot I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't the, know thing why. Is, the thing is,
0: you are at the level where you're like a mid-range journeyman where, you know, people like me are like, I'm going to dig a hole and put a plant in it. And then you, you've reached the level of, wow, I understand X, Y, and Z, which means I don't know how the entire rest of the alphabet works. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think the fact that you know you don't know a lot or you think you don't know a lot means you probably know more than everybody else. I have seen lots of people say in a chat room that we're both in, you know, I need gardening help. Is Ursula around (laughs) all the time? And then there's the potato rants and
1: And I'm terrible at growing potatoes. Like I talk about potatoes, but I have never successfully grown more than about a handful of potatoes. Uh, That's why you
0: hate them so much. It's no no i bitter. love potatoes
1: no i love potatoes passionately i just have strong feelings about the rest of burbank and the uh, the uh irish lumper but uh i maybe this year i keep trying new and different things uh to see if i can get a decent harvest out of them uh it's it's sometimes tricky i grew potatoes from seed this uh last year which is uh uh, a thing you can do, uh, most of the time they come from tubers, that you, you know, you cut up a potato and you plant it, but they do in fact set seed like a regular plant and you can harvest the seed and then you can grow the seed and uh, you might get anything, it, it doesn't come true from seed, it is a complete roll of the dice, so uh, we, I got I have two, uh, three tubers that came off those seed grumpers that were like this big, you know the tiny, tiny and i planted those and they have all grown and possibly this year i might have enough to eat whereupon we will discover that they either taste terrible or that they have so much solanine in them which is the uh the active ingredient in the nightshade family uh, that they are
0: poisonous you should serve it with with chickweed pesto (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so uh going back to the chat a little ways uh pano bill good to see you was clockwork boys going to have a romantic subplot from the beginning or did that happen as you discovered it
1: oh i was definitely gonna have a romantic subplot from the beginning uh i think i started it uh right as my first marriage was on the rocks and i was reading a lot of fanfic and i was like i want to write something sort of you know uh no, and, and I'd, play, I'd just been playing Neverwinter Nights 2. And they have a terrible paladin in there. Just the most boring-ass, generic, uh, armor-plated, tedious bastard. And who is the good love interest? The only one you can romance in this very early Bioware game. And I hated him so much that I was like... A few casts I'm going to write a paladin romance That doesn't suck But because I didn't know how to write a romance I wrote this, you know Fantasy novel that uh, uh, Had a romance in it And in my brain It's a romance with a fantasy plot Uh, For lots of other people It's a fantasy with a romance plot Uh, You know, whatever gets you reading the book I don't care But yes, it was always going to be there she was always going to end up with Caliban. Uh, although when I reread it recently to see uh, something, I was trying to figure out uh, a plot point for something else, I think. Uh, I forgot. I frequently forget what I've done in previous books. That's the problem with the series. So I have to go back and reread yeah. a chunk of an old book. Uh, I realized that people who were on Team Brenner may have had a point about something. And, uh, <laughs> you know... Also, I realized that the reason people write love triangles is because they're so damn much fun to write, and whenever you're stuck on what happens next in the, the other plot, you can just have, you know, two of the love interest sniping at each other, and uh, people hate to read them, though, because it gets very frustrating, so uh, I think they're a lot more fun to write than they are to read. That's um.
0: Let's see. CKR says Kingfisher horror is kind of like reading a zoologist enthusing about really interesting predators. Do you have more coming? Ah, evil fungal
1: intelligence, rose
0: whips carry on.
1: Yes. Uh, and in fact, the one with the rose whips, if it goes forward as planned, uh, the heroine is a entomologist, uh, actually an entoarchaeologist, uh, paleo entomologist, uh, somebody who studies bugs found at archaeology digs there's about 20 or 30 of them and it's a fascinating career but she thinks a lot about bugs so she's you know wandering around going there are not enough bugs in this garden something is terribly wrong and uh, she is a lot of fun to write uh i i love the the scientist protagonist and I'm probably only gonna to get to do one or two more before they wise up and stop letting me do it anymore. Uh <laughs> be like, no, if you had a you had a biologist one and because I still have the, the half written one that uh never actually got sold, whatever, uh, which I need to finish at some point, but you know, I have like five other deadlines. Is uh the heroine is a uh frog biologist and uh is frog, yes. Uh, yes, and uh People are a herpetologist and people on Twitter were extremely helpful with what goes into a makeshift herpetology kit, you know, for frog collecting. And, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like that's a great book just waiting to happen. I just need, you know, maybe another, uh, six months of free time.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of thumbs up for the Ursula Rants About Gardens podcast. Uh, K. Kimmy points out, like, you need to know things to do a podcast. Um, There's so many gardens who suck at it, says Fleetfoot Fo- Fleet Fox, uh, and want to hear more about other folks who suck at it.
1: Um, uh, I, I f- could talk a lot about all the ways that you try, you convince yourself as a gardener that you can totally grow that tropical plant uh, that. Is not for a zone you're in But for like two zones south But what if you put it up against the house And you totally remember to take it in in winter mm-hmm. And also I have this terrible tendency To want to grow agaves Which is a desert plant And I live in a swamp And agaves are very prone to root rot. So uh, That's not This is not the place
0: for that No No, okay. no it's not
1: no. I'm working on it I'll figure <laughs> it out
0: uh, the Kids Are Asleep says maybe just like David Lynch's weather reports where it only rant, it's only rants about what's happening with your garden lately, like Twitter, but on a podcast. Um,
1: I, I was doing little garden walks for a while where I would post a video on uh, uh, something that had videos. I don't remember, but um, maybe it was Instagram was doing video. Uh, I should do that again. That was fun. I would just wander around with a phone and be like, hey, look, this is flowering.
0: Uh, the Kids Aren't also says, my dad absolutely threw a potato into the ground once and thought it would just grow in the desert.
1: And, yeah, <clears throat> and I have people going, you know, I put potatoes in the ground and it's fine. And I'm like, great, you do that. I have not had luck with that. I, I question, maybe if I put one in the middle of the compost heap and walked away, it would do okay. But I keep trying grow bags because I live on clay. Right. And, yeah.
0: Carolina Clay, gotta love it. Um, There's
1: a brickworks not far from me.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of talk of uh, fanfic about Caliban slash Brenner hate-fucking...
1: I'm sure it exists, don't tell me it exists because if I know about it, I have to like, you know, uh, uh, I think I might have to do something. but as long as I am never told about it or sent links to it, write as much fanfic of anything as you want, I do not care, I am oblivious. Indeed. Um, let's see. I keep wanting to grow
0: stuff for two zones north of me.
1: That can also be a problem. Uh, <clears throat> I've been, uh, I ordered a, I'm so used to things freezing and dying that I didn't pay attention to the fact that some, uh, uh, ground-covered dogwood, uh, aka bunchberry that I ordered is actually, does not really like it that far south of zone six, and I'm like, oh, I'm zone eight A. Well, maybe if I put it in full shade. Maybe. Yeah. We'll find um. Out
0: so we're over an hour now, but I did want to ask you one question because a lot of people ask this question and I like to ask people for whom it, it applies. Um, People ask about pen names all the time and you know, why people get them when they should form them, whether they need to tell their editor about it right away, whether they need to wait till they sell a book. And, and a lot of people get worried about, pen names so uh could you t kingfisher tell us about pen names
1: yes i can uh i should have started with a pen name uh the first time i uh, the first children's book i published i was a nobody uh nobody knew who i was uh in children's book world but i had this store of art and existence and whatnot that was not necessarily all kid friendly i should have just, uh,
0: <laughs> That's oh, the yeah. understatement of the year <laughs>
1: What can I say? Painting penises is fun and hilarious. Uh, So I should have gotten a pen name, like, to start. I should not have been Ursula Vernon for my first book. I should have been, you know, uh, I keep saying I should have been T. Kingfisher. But I didn't, and that is why I had to suddenly frantically make a kid-friendly website and do a whole bunch of stuff. And that is why I had the nightmarish experience of my very first uh, novel, which was self-published, or not self-published, which was published by a little small press, uh, self Wolf Press. Uh, A library got a hold of it, and they were doing a raffle of my books to kids, and they included that one, which had the lesbian elves and the torture scenes and the sex and basically everything I... Uh, it was my first novel. I started it when I was 16. I threw everything in the kitchen sink in there. And so uh, oh, no. I did the slow motion <laughs> across the room, as the 10-year-old boy won the raffle. And I don't think it was even 10. He might have been like seven or eight. I can't tell how old kids are. Uh, after a certain point, you know, once they start walking and talking, then it's all just up to height. I yeah. can't. Uh, so, fortunately, I managed to call his mother and was like, let me trade you a book. Just uh, don't, the, the, I, I still over that an explanation. And uh, she thought this was hilarious. Thank God she had a good sense of humor about it. And I was like, I happen to have an arc of the next Dragon Death book in my bag. I will trade it to you. Give this to him. Don't let him read this. <laughs> and honestly people have probably just been bored getting to the point because, you know, they're probably they're not written for kids. Uh, so I should have started life with a pen name. You you do have to tell your editor, but your editor generally doesn't care. Uh, you they will write you the check to you and publish it under a pen name It will be written in your contract. Uh, Ursula Vernon writing as T. Kingfisher or whatever. Um when I started writing more for adults, basically my first, uh when I started self-publishing stuff, I wanted it to be separate from the kids' book stuff so that I could put, you know, torture and lesbian elves if I wanted. So I uh, my first self-pub book was the first T. Kingfisher, and that was uh, Nine Goblins, which uh, is fantasy but has some kind of creepy shit in there. And, oh, and piles of dead bodies, just dead bodies as far as the eye can see. And uh, that was another one I tried to sell. And uh, various editors were like, we like this. This is not a children's book. It might also also be an adult book. We have no idea what this book is. We can't market it. And uh, one editor was like, I could buy it, but you would have to take out all of the footnotes and the little world building asides. And I am like, lady, you do not know my audience or me. I, so, uh, yeah, I self published." it. But uh, yeah, so brand separation is the big one. Uh, you want uh, people to pe- you want people to get the book they are expecting to get, basically. And if they're expecting a kids' book, you don't want uh, you know torture and death and bodies stacked to the ceiling. And if they're expecting an adult book, uh, well, they can lump it. I have self um, uh like stuff that was sort of kid bookish as T. Kingfisher that did that may come back to bite me in the ass actually because somebody was like I loved Wizards just yesterday I loved Wizards Guide great uh my 10 year old and I are reading the books we're starting on the paladin books and I'm like a lot of sex scenes in there I mean not a lot there's only like one per book but there's you know a couple of books now and he's like ah I'm like yeah you you might want to Pre-screen those before you hand them to the ten-year-old. I mean, it's not like graphic. It's super. It's not super graphic. It's not you know tab A in slot B much, a little. But uh,
0: so Uh, well, we have we have a question. Uh, So sorry, I missed it. Did someone catch the name of the
1: lesbian elves book? Was that Nine Mm -hmm. Goblins? Uh, no, that is Black Dogs. Uh, and warning uh, now, there is uh, sexual assault in the book. Uh, that is that is the one thing I will trigger warning for. That generally does not happen in most of my books these days. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's... That was a weird one because, uh, like I said, I wrote it when I was, you know, 16. And then I came back to it as an adult and edited a whole bunch of it. And at times it felt like I was... Having a collaboration with my 16-year-old self, and so a lot of it is just—it's—it is my response to every fantasy novel that I was reading as a teenager, and a lot of that sort of bleeds through. So, uh, don't go into it expecting a T. Kingfisher book, but you may enjoy it. Real uh, quick,
0: Jay- by- <laughs> I said we we're going to talk about uh, awards. Uh, you are nominated for several almost every year do you get tired of it are your shells about to buckle i mean are you okay
1: i'm i'm, I'm bearing up. i up i had to buy uh, uh one of those glass cabinet things uh i know i really did but also a place <laughs> to put the skulls so uh cuz I, I collect skulls and so uh, the little fragile ones, I didn't want to just leave that on the shelves where the cats could knock them around, so it works out. I, I have the skull and the word collection. Um, uh, yeah, I, I. it's okay. I don't win them all. So, you know, it's it's. if I won every single one I was nominated for, then it would get weird, and I would start recusing myself. But uh, I don't, so it's still fun. But I've won enough of them that it's not like... Uh, oh my god, this is the most meaningful thing in the world to me. It's just like, I can just sort of enjoy, yay, or, uh, oh well.
0: Well, uh, the reason why I brought it up is the Nebulas are this weekend, and you are up for the Andre Norton Award for Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking. <clears throat> <Yes. clears throat> Excuse me. Which
1: I want to point out is a Nebula. It is the Andre Norton Nebula Award for YA and, and middle grade and whatnot. And, uh... Is it? Yes, it is. I bring this up because the Hugo's also have the Lone Star, which it is also up for. But it is—they are very clear that it is not a Hugo award, yeah. and uh, I, I find the contrast sort of hilarious.
0: Yeah, I don't really know why they do that. It's—I
1: think it's a uh, uh, something to do with the World Science Fiction Society bylaws and Robert's Rules of Order. Yeah. Don't get me started on Robert's Rules of Order. Okay.
0: Yeah, the uh, it's interesting because we, I, I'm not going to get started on the Robert Schulz board. I'm just going to talk about the business meeting. Um, when you buy your ticket to WorldCon, you think I get to go to a convention, and some people don't even know they get to vote for the Hugo's. So that's that's the you get to go to the convention, you get to vote for the Hugo's. But another thing that you are completely free to do is go to the business meeting and decide the future of world cons hugos load stars all those and um i was excited once i realized that and i wanted to go i think this was way back when we were trying to get the ya award going years and years ago before the load star actually became a thing uh,
1: but, i think i i remember being there because the uh the trial period for uh the comics award had expired, and they had to vote to either finalize it or uh, to make it a permanent part, or to ditch it.
0: Right, but when you go there, do you discover there's a thing called Robert's Rules of Order, which I have never heard of, and I don't think I've ever heard of it outside of
1: WorldCon, and it's a very and the uh, the DSA, the uh, the Democratic Socialists of America, also use it for their meetings. Okay. This is why I know a lot of people who are ex-DSA. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's a very rigid way to run large meetings. And I can see why the rules are in place. Because you don't want someone just getting up there and filibustering for an hour. They have certain time limits and you have a time to vote or you have a time to um, not vote or argue or or maybe you can get a a word in to answer the previous argument or maybe not and it
1: if you do you actually the meeting has to take a vote to extend debate time by 30 seconds or extend debate time for 50 seconds or whatever yes
0: yeah so um but they don't tell you they don't they don't say hi welcome to the business meeting Here's a pamphlet on Robert's Rules of Order. Here's how we run things. It's just, you're there, and if you're there, they assume you know what's going on. And it's tough. And, it's and like, it sucks because yeah. it, you have the right to be there, and you have the right to have your voice heard, but do you know how? <laughs> do you know how to have your voice heard? Because I don't.
1: And after uh, about ten minutes, do you even want to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there comes a quick point where you were like... um, this is the sausage being made, and rapidly you realize you may realize that you don't care that much about the sausage.
0: Yeah, but there are people who really, really care, really, really, really care.
1: Oh yes, and are are willing to run the grinder. And yeah. there are other people like me who I care about what happens, but uh, I am not uh, mentally, emotionally, or patiently equipped to attend a Robert's rule of order meeting.
0: Yeah. I, I like to read, um, um, oh crap. I can't remember the name. Damn it. Sorry. A the, the couple of people live, live, uh, tweet the business meeting, which is very helpful to read in a, uh, Twitter appropriate fashion. Um, we got uh, people. a couple of people are talking about where they've ex- experienced Robert's Rules of Order. Uh, student government. Um, two volunteer organizations that Frigg's Daughter has been part of. Hey, Frigg's Daughter. Uh, thanks for being here. Go back to lurking. Lurk away. But I'm glad you're here. And uh, Catwood made it for the end. Well done. And uh, Frymaster, uh Welcome. Apparently in The Wire, some criminals attempt to reform their operation by using those rules of order. They run into an issue and they realize someone is taking minutes on a criminal <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> I didn't know The Wire was a funny show. That sounds hysterical.
1: Um, and you should probably tell them that if people who are showing up at the end, if you have missed the bulk of the, the thing, which I assume the bulk is behind us, um, they will have it. Uh, it will be Podcasted, Yeah, in the Ditch Siggers yeah. feed.
0: Um, <laughs> CKR points out, we are not talking about Robert's Rules of Order, but if we were, I would mention that people, kn- people know them th- thoroughly, can whip through meetings fast. But I have a good memory and love rules. Yeah, I can see how the rigidity keeps things on an agenda and topic. It's just, it's the fact that if you don't know what they are, no one's going to help you. And so if you feel strongly, I mean, I was feeling strongly about the, y, the new YA Hugo when we were talking about a YA Hugo, not the Lodestar, and when we were debating games, and when we were debating um, E Pluribus Hugo, and... I felt strongly about the comics. Yeah. And so I wanted to show up and, and vote or whatever, but I had no idea what was going on. And that is a flaw in the system. I thought about buying a whole bunch of, like... I, I tried to look for pamphlets I could buy and hand out at the door, but it's like, they're in books, there's a whole book, and they're, like, $17 a piece. So I do not care enough to buy a whole bunch of $17 books and hand them out at the door. So... Um, anyway, we weren't talking about that, were we? So, uh, good luck at the Nebulas, which the Andre Norton Award is won. Yes. And
1: um, tell is- us where we can find you online. It's an honor just to be nominated, and yes. I say it every year, but no, no, it really genuinely is, like, you see all the other people that are also nominated, and, like, the, the, the shiny trophy is nice, but mostly just, like, you all think I belong with these people? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah
0: I mean, uh, being told you're in the top five or top six, but you're not number one, that's okay with me.
1: Yeah. It's just I, fine.
0: I, it's very exciting.
1: I don't have to be the, the best writer on earth. That, that would be a lot of pressure. Yeah, Uh, I just want to write my weird little books that people enjoy and, you know, occasionally they throw me money. Uh, Where to find me online? Honestly, I live on Twitter. Uh, Ursula V. on Twitter, uh, and that is um, not a kid's book uh, feed exactly. I'm trying to migrate it to be more T. Kingfisher because I can't resist the desire to swear and retreat facts about animal penises. Uh, But Online, you can find a, a perfectly friendly, decent website at Red Rombat Studio that includes uh, links to, I think, all the books, unless I've forgotten to update the latest books, which I might have, and a blog, which I remember exists about once a year. And, uh, you know, the Death of Live journal really threw me for a loop. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, let's see that's a podcast productivity alchemy uh patreon i think there's a link in the chat but patreon uh i think it's ursula v yeah at
0: least that's what cat rambo put on there so i'm assuming it was right
1: and uh yeah those are the various places you can buy my art through links on red rombat studio which will take you to uh to podico.com they have a whole bunch of my artwork there and uh yeah I think that's uh,
0: that's about it. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you, Ursula. And
0: thank you, everybody who came here because of uh, Cypher of Tear or Ursula retweeting it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you hang out for future streams. Uh, if you want to find out more about me, com is the best place. I'm on Twitter occasionally. I like to take I'm not on all the time because I've gotten really, really emotionally exhausted of uh, constant rage. So, uh, I, and Twitter's always telling me what to be mad about. Um, (laughs) And it makes, yeah, I know, it it makes me tired. I wish I could thrive. I wish I could just, like, go, I'm going to go to battle now. I just go, oh, fuck. So, um, anyway, I I am on Twitter sometimes. different kinds of people. Exactly. And uh, if you're listening to this later and you want to catch the next live Ditch Diggers or I should be writing, Twitch. Um, at Twitch I'm twitch.tv slash mighty myrrh And um yeah, this I'll be podcast I'll be streaming again at four o'clock because Wednesday is my normal uh gaming stream day. I'll be doing Stardew Valley, but um, Ditch Diggers will be live all summer and it'll be moving around a little bit because it being live and it having several different kinds of guests forces me to move it to fit guests um, schedules. So sometimes it's going to be on Tuesday, sometimes it's going to be on Thursday, but most of the time it's going to be on Wednesday. I will have my schedule updated. So check that out. Um, I,
1: I think I may be showing up again, although it will probably be less of an interview with me and more of a, I am a stunt Matt.
0: Stunt Matt. Yes. Um, oh, I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. It's just started raining, and I'm out in the garden. so uh... <laughs> she did warn me this would happen. Um, ah! Thank, thank you for for following. Get to know nature. I'm gonna th- leave us because Ursula's running away. Ah! Thank you, Ursula. <laughs> oh God! Stop, stop getting wet! Stop, stop getting wet! Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you, everybody you can support us at patreon.com/mightymur. Ditch Diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. devospice.com